and welcome to another evening of frank conversation here on hard copy coming to you from our studios in abuja and maupe ogun yusuf on the 8th of february this year nigeria's foremost labor union the nigerian labor congress witnessed a change of leadership as the cabinet led by comrade ayuba waba bowed out and has now been succeeded by his former vice president comrade joe ajero who takes over at the helm as president. The leadership succession seems smooth as the NLC has witnessed a turbulent transition in the past. What new policies will the Nigerian Labour Congress be pursuing under his leadership in the face of rising inflation, which continues to take a bite at the take home and overall welfare and quality of life of its members? Hard copy is very honored tonight to have the new president of the Nigerian Labour Congress, Comrade Joe Ajero, who joins us via Zoom. Comrade Ajero, congratulations and welcome to Hard Copy. Thank you very much. Well, I do know that you have been receiving a lot of these congratulatory messages, uh, some of which has come from the political leadership. I imagine that you'll be fighting them very soon. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, you have been welcomed by no less than the president himself, uh, who noted your smooth transition to office. He said that your victory was from a rank of free Congress. I'm, there is, I'm also very you know, interested in the fact that he noted that. Um, and he says it's a mark of the strength of democracy in the nation's labor movement. Now, would you say that the NLC has put behind it every form of bickering that attended such transitions in the past? Yeah, clearly, yes. You know, uh, and it has to do with the strength of the uh, previous leadership. You know, to make sure that uh, this transition goes smoothly, you know, without hitches. And equally drawing from our history, you know, from the 80s down the line. And with what has happened now is it has brought a new lead, you know, in the, in the Congress on how to do our things, you know, rank off free. I think we have learned some lessons. And equally, when you look at the background of the immediate past president, who equally peacefully handed over about a month or two ago as a global president, president of the uh, a global federation of trade unions in the whole world, ITUC. And then for him to repeat it, it here, you know, shows that uh, uh, he, he has learned a lot and he wanted the country, the labor movement to benefit from it. Interesting. So I also imagine that when, by the time you've had also a very successful run, we hope, and, you know, we wish you very well, uh, that it will also be done in a very smooth manner. Is that what you hope exactly. as well? Exactly. Exactly. Well, my colleague was saying... The president has been set, so we need to work with that president. Okay. And thankfully, it's a positive one. But you seem yeah. to have hit the ground running, at least also as one of my colleagues, um, with your acceptance speech and uh, the speech with which you, uh, you know, started office. Uh, you have noted some of the sufferings that is currently affecting your, uh, currently affecting your members, including the scarcity of cash and also the scarcity of fuel. And you have given 
an ultimatum saying that by next week, Friday, if nothing is done about it, or by next week, by the end of next week, I have to be very careful uh, with how I, I, I define your ultimatum. It simply says by the end of next week. I'm not certain if you're talking about Friday or Saturday, uh, that if nothing is done, you will be threatening or you'll be undertaking an action. I do not also know if you were also clear with what sort of action. But some people think it's early in the day, don't you think? Well, I don't, I don't think so. This uh, uh, NLC, and in fact, the center of what we want to do will be worker-centricism. Everything will be revolving around the worker. Now, if a worker is dying today, and you are seeing them die, and you say it is too early, I don't think that uh, is a mark of a responsive leader. By the time we were even assembling for this conference, our people couldn't buy anything. No naira, nothing. You know, if you want to buy most of your people that came down here with you, and you go to an ATM machine, it was difficult to get five thousand, and the suffering was staring us at the face. Yeah, and those who want, wanted to buy fuel, some of our colleagues who are coming from maybe the southeast, the northeast, wanted to come with the NLC buses, you know, and they needed to fuel the tanks. Now, by the time you discovered that some of them wanted to buy fuel at 4 450 and all that, and they calculated everything, they started looking for alternative ways of coming. So the problem is already with us here, and it's staring us in the eye. So should I wait for one year before we address the, these issues? So we have to follow them up, and NLC is a continuum. You know, we have to continue uh, from where the previous administration stopped. And if you watch my acceptance speech, it did not deviate from the speech of the outgoing president. You know, all issues were articulated. You know, it's like, okay, you continue from here. That's exactly what happened. It's a position of Congress, and it's not a personal position. So what precisely are you asking government to do? And what precisely is the, when precisely is the ultimatum you're giving them? Well, what I'm asking government to do is what every Nigerian today is asking government to do. You know, if I had 100,000 naira and you say, and I paid in that 100,000 to the bank and I needed to buy something to eat, and I go to the bank and I couldn't get from my money, then that is what I'm asking government to do. Please release my money to me so that I can eat and feed my children. It is my money. You know, in most instances, I may not be even a government worker, so it's not their money. I may be a hawker. I may be a truck pusher who struggled to get that money. But since there was a policy that come and change the uh, note and I put it there, I should be able to assess that note. I'm equally asking government that this fuel, you know, you, we can't be claiming to be running a federation where some people will buy fuel at 450, some people in Abuja will buy maybe at 190, some people in another part of the country will buy at three something. It is not acceptable. And it is a commodity that government is still fixing the price. So whatever must be done, must be done for us to survive in this country. These are basic necessities. 
you know, that must be done. So every Nigerian, meet any market woman, meet every driver, meet any poor in the street, they will not speak a different language from what I have said. Even if they communicate in their dialects, it will be the same thing. So it's something that is common. We've not stated anything, you know, that is different from the voice of Nigerians. Do you think that the, I mean, what it is that you're asking for, some of the demands that you're making, do you think it can be resolved before the end of Friday next week? Oh, those, are, those problems are artificial, and they could be resolved. If there is a political will, you know, if there's a political will to check, you know, because NNPC are not saying that there's no fuel. They say that there is fuel, and they're talking of hoarding. If you have all the state apparatus, you know, uh, and they can't trace where they are hoarding the fuel, then there's a problem. The Nigerian army, the Nigerian police, the other security agencies are around. You know, so, it, and it takes a political will. And a single directive, you know, to those in charge of these areas to move in. You listen to the DSS last few, few weeks, giving ultimatum for them to release these commodities. I think we should go beyond that, those ultimatum to make sure that all these fuel, you know, are released. You know, since NNPC said they have enough. Hmm. So you, yeah. you all have different intelligence. I mean, you sit atop right now a union of, uh, of unions. Let me put it that way. There are so many uh, unions that are affiliated with the NLC. And as such, you will have intelligence that you, a lot of people would not have uh, with regards to the fuel well, clearly, clearly, the Nupeng and even the... Uh, Pengerson, have come up clearly to say that the marketers, you know, should release the, the products. You know, apparently they have the information that from NNPC, you know, that these products are with the marketers. So if it is the marketers that are creating artificial scarcity, and there are people who work in such sectors have come up to make such statements. They don't have the army, they don't have the police to enforce it, but they have given that intelligence report that could be used by various security agencies to, for enforcement. And they have done their own bit. So I think that is clear. We are not uh, lacking in all those information. The, informations, the information are available for us to make use of. So when you, the issue of when you yeah. spoke of an action, what precisely were you referring to? Yeah, well, the, when we talk of an action, it's not just by mere proclamation. If by that time, the organ of the Congress will meet, and determine the modus operandi of the action. But definitely there will be an action. You know, so it's not something that we say we'll do this, we'll do that. The organ will meet at the end of next week weekend. The organs will meet and take appropriate decision on how to go about it. We can't be standing aloof while people are suffering, people are dying, people are stripping themselves naked in banks looking for money. Is, that is unacceptable. Well, I'm just curious. Oftentimes when the NLC talks about an action, most people's minds uh, <laughs> oftentimes go to a strike action. And they think that the times are delicate. I mean, considering the fact that we have an election at hand, and we're supposed to happen on the 25th of this uh, month, uh, and they fear that, you know, if, the, if things do not normalize, uh, they hope it will. Uh, we're all hopeful that it will. Uh, they think that, you know, a strike action will only worsen things. 
we are conscious of that, and we discussed that, you know, extensively, because we felt that, you know, some people, maybe fifth columnists, might equally be acting a, a script for us to fall into. I think we are more intelligent than that, you know. But who will take an appropriate action that the people who are responsible for this, you know, will get it clear. So they will not come at the eve of election, you know, to come up with some policies, you know, that will now, that they will eventually be the beneficiaries. They will not. And we have suffered for this democracy. And I repeat, there's none of them in government today, none of them, you know, that was detained more than myself here in the fight, at, you know, to, for against military dictatorship. So when we finish it and they try to, do certain things that will truncate the process. We will not allow them to be beneficiaries of that. The transition period, like Mr. President said, has to go on, has to be smooth. So in taking care of our action, you know, we will not allow them to indirectly use us you know, to derail the process. Well, comrade, as you rightly pointed out, it is the political season and the Nigerian Labour Congress, some will say it is not apolitical it has a political party, the Labour Party. Um, what exactly is the relationship between the Labour Party and the NLC? Are you throwing all of your weight behind the political party? Well, the NLC owns the Labour Party. The certificate of the Labour Party is in this office right now as we talk. So, and that is it. But the NLC is equally conscious that every Nigerian, including the worker, have the right to belong to any party of their choice. It's not a regimented arrangement that all members of the NLC must be members of the Labour Party. But that is our party. And we have taken decision at the highest organ that our party is running for this election to win. Unlike previous election, you know, those of you in the field there, you can see the tempo, you can see the heartbeat of the Labour Party. But as the president of the NLC, I will not transform myself to be president of the Labour Party. You know, we should understand this clearly. And this is not the only country that the Labour Party is either in government or is running. Almost all countries of the world, you know, you have the Labour Party where the workers pushing their agenda, you know, their manifesto, their ideology, and which is what we have, even the candidate of the Labour Party, who have given him, you know, the workers' charter of demand, and we insist that it must be carried out. A number of people are wondering how you're also going to harmonize some of the, uh, will I say, some of the policies that Labour Party, but not Labour Party now, the Labour Congress, the Labour Congress, has fought against in, against in the past, and some of the uh, items on the manifestos of almost all of the uh, presidential candidates of political parties. Give you an instance, subsidy. It continues to remain, that's petroleum subsidies. It continues to remain a very touchy issue. We understand that you know almost all presidents have been reluctant to remove it or touch it as a result of you know what they fear might be the reaction of the labor movement as, we, as we've seen in the past. But today it will seem that all the presidential candidates agree that it, will, it is no longer sustainable 
Uh, that of the Labour Labour Party has said he's going to remove it. He believes it's a scam. He's uh, that of the uh, I'm looking for the ACN. Beg your pardon. APC has also said he's going to take it away. It, he doesn't think that it is sustainable. And also, the presidential candidate of the PDP also plans to remove subsidy. Is Labour scrutinizing, my Labour, I mean the Nigerian Labour Congress, are they scrutinizing some of these policies uh, in terms of determining where their votes will go? Well, I think it's important for us to understand the history of this so-called subsidy. You know, it, it, wasn't, it has not been there since Nigeria came into existence, you know, and when people talk of it being a scam, you know, it's an artificial creation to benefit a class, so to say. Now, if it is an artificial creation to benefit a class, if we agree that the price of petroleum of PMS should be 150 naira, if it remains 150 naira, whether you subsidy or not, nobody will bother you. If you, in the name of removing subsidy, increase it from 150 naira to 200 naira or 300 naira, you will see us will come there. Now, because they are taking, discussing this subsidy interchangeably, you know, with the regulation, they came on board to tell us that they have deregulated uh, diesel, they have deregulated kerosene in the past. And what we saw was a case that this one now went to 800 and something, kerosene to that amount. If that is what they are planning to do with PMS, because their lives are now open, because they told us that when they deregulate those ones, that they will be cheaper and accessible. And since they did, it has been worse. So if that is what they want to practice, under the guise, of removing subsidy. If their meaning of removal of subsidy is increase, maybe 500% or 200 or 300% increase in the price of PMS, then they have labor to contend with. It doesn't really matter the party that will take that policy. You know, the labor movement, you know, is clear on this, you know, and, and some of these things are ideological, you know. So, if you have, that there should not be abortion before pregnancy. If our refineries are working and they are operating optimally, why will you import? So if you are not importing, why will you subsidize the product? So those are the issues that must be addressed first and foremost. The first approach cannot be that they will remove subsidy. Whosoever is saying that, that he wants to remove subsidy, if our refineries will work, we have us to contend with. So this is a clear message. It has nothing to do with, you know, uh, capitalists running the affairs of Nigeria. The workers and the masses know where it is pinching them. Well, we do know that almost every Nigerian worker has, you know, not just Nigerian worker, Nigerians in general have had to contend with rising inflation and, and generally a lower standard of living. But we've been told that all of these things are, interconnected is happening also internationally as well um, and then right now there's talk around whether or not wages will be reviewed how vigorously do you intend to pursue uh, you know a policy or yeah a policy around an increase of wages considering just where nigeria is right now 
uh, with debt and also the fact that it is not generating um, as high a revenue as it could possibly generate? Nigeria could have been at its best now if what we discussed before now, you know, is there. Nigeria could have been at its best if some neoliberal policies like privatization, deregulation, and whatever were not imposed on us. Because why am I saying this? If we are refining locally, the over 7 trillion or whatever they are mentioning, you know, for subsidy will not be there. It would have been to take care of interests of Nigerians. Actually, is asking, actually was asking for 200 million. So with 1 trillion, we solve their problem forever and ever. The over 2 trillion, the Nigerian government has pumped into the past sector, owned by individuals, would have been used to service the interests of Nigerians. The increase in the price of crude internationally would have been a very big boost for Nigeria. Because Nigeria will be earning in dollar, in foreign currency. But Nigeria is earning foreign currency and is refining in foreign currency. That is what kept it at the place it is now. I think we need to come back to the dining table, you know, and look at the type of economics and economic advisors we have. That somebody should produce cassava in his house and sell it to buy Gary. Instead of keeping the one, the Gary, the cassava process to use as Gary, by the time you are carrying it to the market, sell it, and the, the other person will process it and bring it back, the price will go. He will factor in all those issues. That's the elementary aspect of what they are calling a subsidy as of today. And it's clear, you don't, you don't need to be a PhD holder in economics. But the people there are telling us stories. Every oil producing country in this world with a problem in, in a, 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 between a, a Russia and a, 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 what is it? The Nigerian economy would have been better as of today. So, but they did not prepare our bed very well for us to lie. So whatever policy, again, they are telling you, whatever calculation they are, they are making, is not going to, we have not prepared for the eight days. You know, the essence of borrowing, borrowing, and you see the fallacy and the lies. They are telling you that government has no business in business. But government has business in other people's business. In the power sector I mentioned to you now, you saw the power sector at 400 billion, and you give them two trillion. Another person's business. I'm, a, a, I'm just wondering, I mean, this is the current reality. This is where we currently are. We are in debt, uh, huge debt, as, as it were. Uh, you know, our revenues are not exactly where we hope that they will be. We're still not, we're ramping up production of crude oil, uh, but it's not still where we hope that it will be. I'm just wondering, are you, in spite of all of this, do you intend to pursue an increase of wages for workers? Oh, more open. You see, the issue is where, where the, the difference between my discussion, my analysis, and yours is you are saying this, that's where we are now. But you, you, you have to look at why are we here, which is very important. In trying to solve our problem, we must find out why we are here. Now, the wage you are talking of, you don't take wage in isolation. When you decide to pay us 30,000 minimum wage, a loaf of bread was about 200 naira. 
Now you are paying us the same 30,000 minimum wage. A loaf of bread is 1,000. It then means, no matter the size of your family, if you eat one loaf of bread every day, you will not drink water, you will not do anything to the end of the month. Now you can't even go to work. If we analyze the wage situation in Nigeria, under a situation of cost of living index, you will discover that 30,000 will not reach two, three days. Now in such a situation, what do you want a worker to do? Which is very, very fundamental, which is very, very important. Now all their policies seem to be creating inflation. Is the policies of the state that is creating the inflation, which you are telling the worker to understand. The worker cannot pay his, uh, his child school fees. He cannot enter balls to office. He cannot even feed. He can't even pay the landlord. Now, in such a situation, what do you think should happen? I think that a lot of Nigerians will mull on that rhetorical question which you've posed. But at this point, we have to say thank you so much for coming on Hard Copy tonight, Comrade President Joe Ajero. We certainly wish you a very successful tenor, and we know that we'll be seeing you from time to time on our programs. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. Bless you. Well, that's where we draw the curtains for tonight's program. Our handles are showing on your screen for your feedback, which will be very welcome. Thank you very much for watching. I'm Maupe Ubu Yusuf. Good night.